Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing, matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of the athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly, and I'm proud to bring you regular insights into this fascinating sport. You know, the real heartbeat of any sport can be found in the venues where we train and compete. Those venues are more than just facilities for events. They become a real part of us as people, not just as athletes. They hold a place in our hearts. In outdoor sports like biathlon and cross-country skiing, the Craftsbury Outdoor Center in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom has become a real home for athletes. On this episode of Heartbeat, we welcome one of Craftsbury's modern-day pioneers, Judy Gear. An Olympic rower, Gear, and husband Dick Dreisagacker purchased Craftsbury in 2008, turning it into a nonprofit. Since then, it has become a real focal point for biathletes, cross-country skiers, runners, rowers, and more. And Judy, welcome to Heartbeat. I'm so anxious to hear more about a place that has really endeared itself to so many outdoor athletes. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. So what's uh, fall been like in Vermont? I know we're recording this in early November, so things are probably a little different than they were at the peak of leaf season. But what have things been like there this fall? We had a really gorgeous, vibrant peak foliage season. It seemed a little early. Um, We've been very dry here, and we were, I think, initially worried it was just going to not be that great because of the dryness, but it ended up being lovely. And then um, after the bright oranges and reds of the maples, we moved into the yellows of the birches and beaches. And then we have this third season that I really love, which is the larch or tamarack season, where those trees turn just really golden before they drop their needles. So it's been lovely. It's been really lovely. And then earlier this week, we got eight inches of snow. And so it's, you know, it's been a roller coaster. And now we're back up to 40 some degrees and it's all melting. So it's been, yeah, it's been a roller coaster. But you know, it, it's been lovely. It's a very typical Vermont uh, fall, it sounds like, with a lot of variability. You know, I, I like this season when we get into November, and the I call it the uh, stick figure season, where the trees are kind of these silhouettes of stick figures against the sky. But to me, it's always symbolized skiing is just around the corner. Yeah, it, it, it is a wonderful season, actually. And I've really come to love it because when the leaves fall off the trees, you can see through the woods, you can see the lay of the land and you can see bits of horizon that you can't see in other seasons. So it is, yes, on one hand, eager for that snow to fall, but it's also a lovely time in its own right. Well, Judy, I want to explore a little bit uh, into your background, and I, you know, I've I've known and followed what you and Dick have done at Craftsbury over the last uh, decade and a half or more. But how did you, as a young girl, get this passion for sport growing up? Well, when I was a young girl, I got into swimming, and um, I swam winter and summer. Winter out in salt water and. Uh, I mean, sorry, summer out in salt water and winter on indoor pools. You know, I grew up at a time when there weren't that many sport options for young girls, to be honest. And, you know, you weren't able to do as many things as boys were. But swimming was there and it was very active and it was I had some good coaches. I enjoyed the competition. And I think that really gave me an aerobic base that, you know, set me up well for my future sport endeavors. Was there someone from your family or an outside role model that really helped to inspire you? 
you know, I, my dad had been an athlete. He was a, a hurdler, you know, and he had had a county record in Brooklyn or whatever. And, and he was proud of that. And I think got us thinking that we could be athletes too. And then my folks just really um, made that extra effort to get me to every swim practice and drive me around and support me in everything I did and my brother and sister. And, you know, I, I look back on that and, you know, they spent many a beautiful winter weekend stuck inside a hot, humid, chlorine smelly swimming pool, you know, but, but they did that for us. And, and, and I think I just really thank them for that. Yeah. How did you find your way into rowing? Well, when I got to college, um, I, I I just I heard of rowing. And it just sounded intriguing. I'd grown up obviously near water, in water, whatever. So I was very comfortable with the whole idea of being on water. And um, there was one person in our community who used to row an Alden Ocean Shell on the ponds when I was growing up, and everybody thought it was sort of odd that he went out and and did that in this strange rowing boat. But I think when I then saw the sport of rowing, I was just I was just immediately intrigued with it. And I started college at Smith College, which is an all women's institution. Smith and Wellesley had had rowing for young ladies. Um, <laughs> they'd had rowing for a long time. It was proper rowing for young ladies. It was very different than the rowing that I ended up doing, but it taught me how to row. And then when I transferred to Dartmouth, they were just starting a women's rowing program and I joined it and I rode the head of the Charles for the first time that first fall. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it, I was totally hooked. You had become actually quite a pioneer in the sport there. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you were in one of the first classes for women at Dartmouth. But did, did you start to find kind of your elite athlete uh, direction when you got to Dartmouth? Well, I, I got... <laughs> I got to Dartmouth, fell in love with rowing, um, just, yeah, just fell in love with it. And, and when it sort of came time to graduate, I sort of realized I'm not going to graduate and leave rowing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to grow up and leave rowing. I, I love it too much. I want to keep doing this. And I, I had a coach at the time who said, you know, you should try out for the Olympic team, you know, and I sort of laughed at him. This was, so I graduated in 75 kept rowing through that year, sort of training with the team. And um, toward the fall of 75, he said, you know, you, you should move, go down to Boston, get to know the guy who's going to be coaching. It's, you know, Harvard's Harry Parker was going to be coaching the women's team at, at the Olympics. And um, he he said that. And I, I, I first thought, oh, gosh, he's he's totally crazy. You know, there's no way. But then, you know, you're out there training and you think, well, gosh, if I started going a little harder right now if I ran up this hill a little harder if I rode faster maybe I could do this you know and this thing just creeps into your mind and you think maybe it is possible you know and you start going harder and harder and so I did it I moved to Boston in February that year and began training down there and that you know helped because otherwise I had been a real totally unknown person from the North Woods and so getting down there and meeting people and being seen by Harry Parker and I ended up getting invited to the selection camp, which was just so exciting. And then I ended up winning my seat races and getting selected for the four at Montreal. So Dartmouth certainly set me on the path toward elite um, sport, elite rowing. I have to tell you, Tom, I sort of hate the word elite. It feels very elite to me just to use the word elite. But it, it did send me, it started me on the path to, you know, high level competitive rowing. And that just has taken me so many wonderful places. 
You you make a really good point on the use of the term, uh, but but I th- I think the story to me is emblematic of why the Olympics are so special and so important. That it's the kid next door. It's anybody has a chance to pursue that dream and to get there. And you know you didn't have that dream initially, but all of a sudden you found your pathway and you're in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, as once we start talking about Crossbury more, this is one of our underlying goals. We have a bunch of Olympians here at Crossbury, old and current, and and then we have a whole bunch of kids here at Crossbury who get to be coached by these Olympians and get to see them and get to realize they're normal people and that they grew up around here. Some of them, you know, the Susan Dunkleys and the Ida Sargents and my daughters, whatever, grew up right around here skiing and. And I just love for kids around here to see that and to know that it's totally possible for them, too. You know, I want to move into talking about Craftsbury, but first I want to get a sense of how did you and your family move into biathlon? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Well, I tell you, it started with my son, Ethan, um, because he was a boy and he was into guns, you know, and I was a mom who was not thinking I wanted my son to be into guns, you know, it's sort of that classic situation. But I thought, okay, if we're going to be into guns, let's learn about them. Let's learn about how to use them in, in great, positive ways, you know? And so um, we had an intro to biathlon, and the girls came too, and some other friends came too. And that was from Keith Woodard right here at Crossbury. And he lay them all on the ground, on the floor, and let them hold a rifle in the right position and all this kind of stuff. And then we started going over to the... Um, the National Guard training site at Jericho, where they have a range and they had a kids program. And I would drive, you know, me and a few other moms would drive a carload of kids over there a couple of days a week, you know. And again, it was due to the ages of my kids at that time, it was mostly Ethan and his friends doing this because the girls were already moving into high school sports and, and then pretty soon into college sports. And so, you know, interestingly, he did biathlon as a younger kid making he was on the junior national team for like five years. Um, whereas the girls really didn't get into it till after they graduated from college. But I think the fact that they were all exposed to it um, early on was a, was a good thing. So yeah, yeah that, that, that's really how it happened. Yeah. Cause I was, I was intrigued by, you know, how, how do you draw the connectivity between all of these sports, but you know, this underlying philosophy that you talked about uh, uh, in providing opportunities for, uh, for young athletes to, to achieve their dreams, whatever those might be. Uh, you, you had been around Craftsbury, I think before you and Dick uh, acquired it in, in uh, 2008, actually uh, had, had, had this been in your mind that you might at some point in time, acquire this facility and, and, and start to build the types of programs that you have? Well, it, it, it's happened over a number of years. Yeah, I, I would say way back, starting in about 1986, Dick and I would go to Craftsbury to be guest sculling coaches at the summer sculling camp for just a week each summer. And we would bring the kids along and it was sort of a working family vacation that we just all loved. And then, um, oh, let's see, Hannah must have been... Mm, 11, 10, 11, I can't remember the exact ages here, but um, we got word that Peppa Malusheva, the, this coach at Crossbury, was thinking of starting a junior ski program. And so, you know, word was passed around, does anybody want to join? And so we went to Hannah and asked if she wanted to join. And she said, yes. And <laughs> that sort of like 
that sort of did it for her siblings and the rest of the family. But, you know, so all of the kids took part in the junior program at Crossbury. And that's where we met Ida Sargent and we met Susan Dunkley. And, you know, they all sort of trained together and learned to ski and really got into it. And, you know, so it was just such a wonderful thing for our family, um, this, this Crossbury place that, you know, we began to think about how we make it serve more people. Um, we, we knew that Russell Spring, the owner and the founder, was getting older. He was starting to think about what the future was going to be. And so we began talking with him. And we spent a couple of years chatting with Russell and Janet about our vision and their vision and did it all align and, and what we could do. And, you know, for us, it was this idea that that we were in a position to make it a nonprofit and that in as a nonprofit, it could just do so much more than sort of the small family business that it, that it was. Um, and as, as all these excellent skiers were sort of growing up and getting to the point where they're going off to college and then needing, what do they do after college? You know, so, so that whole bit of timing that we were seeing in our own kids sort of helped us see the needs in the, in the ski community. Yeah. Can you speak a little more to the nonprofit concept? And I'm particularly enthralled by the mission that you established. This certainly seemed like a bit of a different direction, but you you had a real purpose in doing it that way. Yeah. I mean, the mission has three prongs, which one might think are not that closely related. So the first prong is to promote participation and excellence. So both participation and excellence in lifelong sports with a special focus on rowing, skiing, biathlon, running. I think we've added mountain biking. <laughs> but so, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the first prong. The second prong of the mission is to use and teach sustainable practices. And the third is to be good stewards of the land and the lake and the trails. So you've got sport, sustainability, and stewardship. Um, we're engineers. <laughs> Most of our family is engineers, and there's a bunch of other engineers here, and we're really into you know, developing um, alternative energy and getting off fossil fuel and just better ways of doing things. And so that's sort of a family passion outside of sport. And then, you know, the woods, the forests are just so important to all of us for these activities that we love. And so um, it just, to us, it, the mission may be sort of broad and have these three different prongs, but it all fits really well together. You know, I really like your first prong, and I think your first prong, the to promote participation and excellence, which may be opposite points in some cases, but this is something that is really sweeping through sport right now. Can you talk a little bit more about that and 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 how you manifest that at Craftsbury? Yeah, I, I think you know we have a we have several different kinds of sport at Craftsbury. We have obviously the Green Racing Project, which is like Olympic development national team sport we have our junior programs which is just kids from all around the area and then we have our our camps which is our sort of little bit of income generating thing that helps make the whole thing work we have our sculling camps and our running camps and our skiing camps so it's three different types of athletes and it's i just think it creates a wonderful mix of sort of developing mutual respect and and role models and just so much to learn and in terms of participation, um, you know, the population we serve up here is is drawn from the Northeast Kingdom of, of Vermont, which has a lot of poverty. Um, and, you know, there's divisiveness in the rest of the country right now. There's just different ways of seeing things. There's just, a, you know, it, it, it's not diversity in the sense of 
racial diversity so much, but but it's diversity of just backgrounds and ability to to do things and get places. And so we're trying to level that playing field and just serving as many kids as we can from the area. We keep our rates really low. We have scholarships for travel and camps. And you know, our, our goal is to just, yeah, level the playing field for, for these kids and families. You know, I love the collection of sports that you have there. And obviously it reflects your interests, which it, it should. And I'm, I'm curious, do you get crossover? For example, do you get skiers who take up rowing as a result of being in your programs? <laughs> well, I mean, we actually um, sort of insist that the rowers do some skiing and that the skiers try some rowing and uh, give everybody a chance to try biathlon who wants to try biathlon. And, you know, our, our running coach does programs for the rowers to make them better athletes. So there's quite a bit of, of cross-pollination. Um, we, we did have one crossover athlete, which was our, our own daughter, Emily, who started as a skier, and then her rowing, her ski coach suggested she try rowing, and she was rowing and actually made the U8 team, you know, junior national team and U23 team before then coming back to, to, to skiing and then picking up a rifle. And it turns out she's really the best shot, I think, of any of my kids. So there's an example there of, of crossover. Um, it, it hasn't happened a lot, but we really do give them all the chance to try the other sports. And, and I think there's a real value in having these high-level athletes experience and observe someone else's sport and just sort of develop this mutual respect and understanding for the different nature of their sports and just how hard they all work in, in their different ways. You know, I, over time, have watched various facilities, venues, communities uh, come together as uh, really a gathering spot for the top athletes in the sport. And you can go around at any point in time and pick out where those hotbeds of sport are. And you've really developed that at Craftsbury and have become a bit of a magnet for for top-level athletes in biathlon and cross-country skiing in particular. Uh how what are the programs that you have in place that are really attracting athletes to Craftsbury today? Well, we, we have our what we call our Green Racing Project is our Olympic development program. And um, this was, gosh, what year was it founded? In 09, I think. We bought the center in 08. And I think by the spring of 09, we were accepting our first applicants and we started with just skiing. Um, and then it have gradually added the other sports. Um, I think we're working on adding some running as we speak. Um, but it's a program that is by application, you know, an interview, chatting with the coach, figuring out what your goals are. It's not based strictly on your performances to date. It's also, do, do you agree with our mission? And are you going to be able to contribute? And, you know, our goal with the Green Racing Project is this sort of residential high-level training situation where you also are part of the community and you contribute to a community. You do some work around the center that helps support the mission. You coach kids in the area, you know, all that kind of thing. So that's the Olympic development piece. Um, we then have a whole realm of junior and master's programs, actually, that start way down with the the catamounts, the littlest kids, and and goes all the way up through those who are training for Eastern Cups, those who are going to head off and ski in college. Um, and then we have masters, both sort of intermediate masters and, and more competitive masters. Um, and that's in skiing. In, in, in rowing, you know, there's more limitation on our ability to access the water and put people out. 
So our rowing program, there's a community rowing program, and then there's the GRP rowing program. We most recently, because of COVID, have um, initiated some um, some different new programs. We had um, what we called our fall rowing semester this fall, where it was rather than have regular guests coming and going from all goodness knows where, which wasn't one sort of legal in Vermont this in this condition these conditions and what we weren't comfortable with it. We decided to bring in a group of athletes, quarantine them before they come, quarantine them again after they come, and then keep them here, you know? And so it's like this bubble, if you will, you know, that other sports teams and others are doing. But um, we've had 20 collegiate rowers here for the fall. Um, their sport program, their seasons were canceled, their classes were put online in many cases. So, you know, we're, we're doing that kind of thing now, which is not something we normally do, but it's, it's, it's a good use of our facility and we're excited to be able to do it. You know, I was interviewing some athletes who were at Craftsbury this summer and they were talking about, well, I could do the interview at this time, but then I have to do my gardening after that. So you really have gotten everybody involved in being a part of the place. Yes, yes. There's, you know, there's gardening. We try to grow as much of our own food as possible the coaching of kids. I've mentioned that several times, but I think, I think for an athlete to coach in their own sport is so beneficial for, for everybody. I mean, I think it helps the athlete think about their technique, think about how to talk about their technique, think about motivating the next generation. And, and then for the recipient of all that coaching, I mean, just what a wonderful thing that is. And so a lot of them do coaching, but you know, they work on our website. They work on in, putting in a new reservation system for it. I mean, they do some really marvelous, marvelous work for us. A lot of writing and blogging and then, and, but then there's also, yeah, there's the gardening and there's the trail work and there's you know, stuff that has to get done around campus. So it, it, it's a blend of things and we, we try to find something good for everybody um, so that hopefully they are learning things um, while they're here. Sustainability is an important value for you at Craftsbury, isn't it? Yes, yes. We, um, when we took over the place in 08, we set ourselves a goal of trying to get, I think, I think we said it was the east side of the road. So that's like a good half or more of campus, all of our lodging. We wanted to get that off of fossil fuels by 2012. We didn't make it by 2012, but I think we did it by 2013. <laughs> so that's not that's not too bad. And we continue to work on just, we, we own several farmhouses around the edges of campus where the athletes live, which have been some of the hardest to sort of bring up to up to snuff, but we're, we're making good headway on that. We sort of expanded and renovated the dining hall recently, and that's geothermal. We use the waste heat from our snowmaking generator um, to help heat the buildings. And we also burn firewood that is sustainably harvested from our property and, and other people's property. Yeah. So you had mentioned this a, a moment ago, Judy, but COVID has really changed everything. And I think one of the things the sports community really admires is how Craftsbury stepped up during COVID to not just throw in the towel, but to find solutions and to accept the challenges and create opportunities where athletes could come together. Can you can you expand a little bit on that, on how you approached this last spring and what was the pathway to creating these programs so that skiers and biathletes and rowers could still participate in their sport at Craftsbury? 
Yeah, well, I mean, we've been actually quite conservative here in terms of COVID um, and very concerned. The last thing we want to do is be the place that brings COVID to Craftsbury, Vermont, you know, so um, we've been very careful. But that's one of the reasons that we've tried to bring our athletes in totally following all of the requirements for quarantine. You know, in the spring, many of our skiers had gone home. Skiers and biathletes had gone home because that's the time of year that they finish their season and they go home. And so we had to bring them back with careful quarantining. Luckily, we didn't have guests, so we had some extra spaces on campus where we could put them to quarantine. And so we've very carefully brought people in. And once we got them here, we, we didn't, just didn't let them go unless they had to go, basically. And so we've created a bubble. Um that's good for the community. It's good for the athletes. It's um, it's it's hard. I mean, you know, it's like only curbside pickup of anything. If you even leave campus, and for a while, all of our meals from the dining hall were takeout only. And you know, we've just been working on hand sanitizing stations and mask wearing, and we just have a long, you know, we, we have a sort of a code of conduct, a, a pact is what we called it, and all of the athletes had to sign on to that. And so then once we sort of got that down and that felt fairly stable, we began to look at what are these other programs since we can't do our normal stuff, you know, can we safely bring in this other group of rowers or whatever. And so that's what we've been able to do. And, and I think it's, it's taken, it's taken a lot of work and, and everybody's been great about it. You know, I think, um, the GRP, the green racing project really appreciate being able to, to, train and continue training. And so it, it's well worth it to them. Um, but every so often someone needs to leave because someone at home is sick or they need to go to a family funeral or something like that. And there've been some tough times where people have had to go and then come back and re-quarantine again before they can come back into the mix. But, you know, I have to say, it's also just trying to keep the place alive. It, it's a really tough time. Normally, we'd be packed all summer with people paying guests coming to stall and run and do all these things in, as part of camps. And we don't have that. So to be able to hold some of these longer sport programs helps a bit in terms of keeping a little bit of income coming in and um, keeping our staff in work. Judy, I think all of us have uh, experienced so many things in COVID, and when hopefully this pandemic passes, there's probably some of those things that we've learned that we're going to continue. I and mean, have you had any takeaways from this experience with the athletes that you're saying, you know, this is just going to become the way of life here at Craftsbury? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly had takeaways like that in general up here in Vermont, you know, with more and more people sourcing their food locally and supporting farms and all that, and that's been good. Um, I, I think um, just in, in, in general, I, I think we were all pretty, you know, cavalier about just germs and taking care of each other and respecting each other and not showing up to work when you're sick and just, just stuff like that, you know, so there's going to be a carryover there, I think, which is all good. Um, I, I should mention that in the spring of this year, in June, we finished paving our um, our new roller ski loop. So, so we now have a, a paved roller ski loop of two and a half to three K that comes right into the biathlon range. And that's a real plus. And that's been especially valuable in terms of this training bubble that, you know, it, there's just more training right on campus and, you know, our, our GRP still need to go off and do long rolls in the back roads of Vermont, you know, so they're not just only being on campus, but they're not 
interacting with anybody when they go out. But I, I think just having, you know, this this new facility on campus, has, it's just been wonderful. It's been really good timing. As we wind down, Judy, uh, I, I want to take you back to the World Biathlon Championships last season, uh, which was coming down right as COVID was manifesting itself. But do you feel a special pride when you see an athlete like Susan Dunkley, who has been so connected to Craftsbury, achieve a goal like she did in winning a silver medal at the World Championships? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you know, I've been watching Susan for quite a few years, and um, and my own girls have been on the team with her and, and Claire Egan was one of our athletes as well, you know, so it, it's just terrific to, to watch all of that. And, um, and it does come back to the kids here, the little kids, you know, it's like the, and, and the staff and the grownups and the volunteers, I mean, the whole Craftsbury community just now that they know the sport of biathlon, they follow it. They're big fans. And so when you get a success like that from one of our athletes, it's just, it's just so exciting for everybody, you know, and Tom, I have to say, I was at those world championships in Italy in February when the pandemic was breaking. I got home just in time. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's interesting to think back on those times now, like what were we doing in February? I actually made a trip to Tokyo uh, prepping for the Olympics back then, and you were in the heart of it in Italy. It's crazy to think about well, you you have been great contributors to the sport of biathlon, and you deserve to be at the uh, at in the stadium to witness things like that. And I know that you followed your children through the sport as well. So I thank you for taking your time today. We're going to close this off with a little segment that I call "On Target," just a series of simple little questions, no right or wrong answer, just to explore a little bit on your background and your interest. And I'm going to start with the first one: your most vivid memory as an Olympic rower? I think it, it it was probably my first Olympics, Montreal, and it wasn't even on the water. It was being in this giant dining hall with all these famous athletes that I'd read about. <laughs> You know, it's a common memory, you know, and, and those athlete villages are places where friendships develop and and you realize at that point that we're all the same. Yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful form of sort of diplomacy, which I should add, Tom, was frustrating in 1980 when I was on the team that couldn't go to the Olympics because of the boycott. Yeah, and I know that you've uh, talked about that this year on the 40th anniversary of the boycott of Moscow, which had had really no positive implications uh, on foreign policy in any way, but uh, unfortunately robbed athletes like you of that opportunity. Okay, moving on to the next question. A unique outdoor activity that you love that people might not know about oh and he's well i mean they know about my rowing um my skiing i love foraging for mushrooms and wildflowers so i, I just love being out in the woods that's perfect <laughs> love that one uh okay your favorite dining by the fireplace vermont dinner uh just being home, honestly, around the wood fire. It's a great feeling, isn't it? Yep. And then I have to add your favorite aspect of being a new grandmother. <laughs> I tell you, I've got to be one of the luckiest new grandmothers around to be living a couple miles from my granddaughter. And we've basically merged our households so that I can 
just help out and see her most every day. And Tom, that's actually where I'm going when we finish this interview, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I know I know the feeling. We have uh, 10 grandchildren, and we're just about to have uh, a great-grandchild in the next couple of weeks, so I know the feeling. One last question in one word. What does sport mean to you? Oh, one word is hard. You can cheat if you'd like. I, I, I want to talk about opportunity and health and exhilaration. We'll take those as a correct okay. answer. <laughs> Judy Gear, thank you. Thank you so much, Judy Gear, for joining us on Heartbeat today. Uh, we wish you all the best success in this coming season. And thank you for all you do for our great athletes. Thank you, Tom. It's been fun to chat. Biathlon is a sport of precision, an ultimate test of athletes on snow. And Judy, thank you for the opportunities that you have provided to athletes over the years. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. You'll find Heartbeat on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. We'll be back with more content throughout the season ahead. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. From all of us at U.S. Biathlon, thanks for listening to Heartbeat. We'll see you soon.